you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL podcast. Plays like a rogue savage. (laughs) Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hanses, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hi. He's back. Good evening. You know, this is a big Sunday recap, so we're going to talk a lot of football, but we got to uh-huh. talk about the, you know, the big addition in your family yes, first, yes. right? Yes, Harrison Bates, Hansis, born Wednesday, November 9th, bringing some much-needed life and color into the world when he came 21 and a half inches, 9 pounds, 9 ounces. Big boy. Uh, all muscle. Muscle weighs more than fat. <laughs> and uh, uh, Harrison Hansis, uh, my my two-year-old Jack, already calling him Harry. So, Harry Hansis, welcome to the world. How's it going between I, – I found in our house we had an older child. We had a second one. And the jarring reality that child number one, that all attention on the planet does not center around that person, that was – there was a shocking transition there. Yeah, Jack's a good boy, but a bit of a shaky start so far. That's all I'm going <laughs> to leave it there. The, the transition, uh, as the world has changed for him, uh, we'll see how that plays out. But, yeah, uh, happy to be back here. What is it, week 11? Week 10. Week 10. See, when you when you do have a, a baby and now you have a full family, you kind of lose grip on everything that's going on. So I didn't even know what week we're in. But I did get to enjoy, again, for the second straight week, I thought some uh, good football, especially the late games, and we, you know, we're starting to get a l- little bit in a groove in the. 20, oh yeah, uh, I guess it's the best Sunday here. of the year. Yeah, I like it. There's been, uh, and I thought the, and we're, we're going to get to it momentarily. You can make the case for the second straight week that we saw the game of the year, uh, Cowboys Steelers. So I'm excited. To Can't talk wait about. to watch that one on Game Pass. Um. Anything else before we get into the game? I think that's going to be about an hour and 14 minutes on Game Pass, by the way, Chris. An issue with the two of us that the Game Pass <laughs> productions have been. They got, you know, they went from about 32 minutes a year or two ago. They're now roughly about 60 or 70 minutes each with all sorts of filler and crowd shots. And we take this to a, a private email exchange with the people in this building that work on that. I've tried. We tried. 
We got shut down by I all the Marty. I have to voice it on a larger, you know, format now. We Thank got shut down by all the Marty Scorsese wannabes who are dragging these games out to over an hour. Okay, can we move on? Yeah. The game pass conversation. <laughs> Uh, the Around the NFL podcast, sponsored, of course, by Mr. Flames' economic class in The Hague, the Netherlands. Mr. F. And uh, let's get going. Let's start with what went down at Heinz Field. Here we go. Run Zeke. Up the middle. He's gone. Zeke's gone. Goodbye, Zeke. Touchdown. Short yardage pinched in. The dogs got out. The Cowboys are going to steal one in Pittsburgh. 32 yards with nine seconds left. And Dallas leads 35-30. What a sham. Brad sham, that is. KRLD. Dallas Ezekiel Elliott took a Dak Prescott handoff and went 32 yards to the end zone untouched with just nine seconds to play, lifting the Cowboys to a 35-30 win over the Steelers. Uh, in one of the best games we've seen this year. And you know what? Oh, no. Right off the bat, someone tried to lock this up. Didn't lock. Where are we at? That was me. Oh, uh, what was your lock? I missed it. It was like a three. It was a trifecta that you don't even need to know about. My locks are entirely meaningless and should not be taken seriously. You came close. Him. He okay. came close. It's something about yeah, Le'Veon Bell going over 100 yards, Antonio Brown, all sorts of things. I got it right here. So Steelers win. Yeah. No. Nope. Good. Bell goes over 100 yards. He had 57. Mm. Uh, Big Ben has over 300. He had 488. Mm. Um, Brown, 100-plus, mm. and he had 154. So A 54. four-way lock. Wes, I'd like you to take the exercise more seriously next week. I'd like for you to ditch the exercise. <laughs> <laughs> it will never be ditched. It lives forever. Lock that up. <laughs> anyway, the Steelers took the lead on a Big Ben fake spike TD pass to Antonio Brown with 43 seconds to play, but the now 8-1 and one Cowboys would not be denied. Mark Sessler, Zeke for MVP, Cowboys for the Lombardi, Maron! Well, I think we've been sort of saying those things for weeks now, and this seemed like the game sitting out there in Pittsburgh that if you want to say someone can go toe-for-toe with the Cowboys, it would be Pittsburgh if they were playing the way that we thought we could. And the result was exactly that, an NFL high for this season, seven lead changes. And it's funny because coming out of the break, I'll make two quick points because I'm sure we all have a lot to say about this game. But the first is that coming out of halftime, I couldn't agree more with Troy Aikman that kind of talked about it being a formless game where it was close but it didn't really have an identity yet, but it absolutely was forged down the stretch. And it came from both quarterbacks, especially after Dak Prescott was taking a ton of thunderous, tediously thunderous uh, hot takes on Twitter from people watching this thing. Here comes Romo. Romo should go back in the locker room and put pads on, get rid of Dak Prescott. Well, it is a a theme because I don't know what more he needs to do uh, other than be perfect from wire to wire. He struggled a little bit in Pittsburgh, but he showed down the stretch 24 points generated by the Cowboys over the last 20 plus minutes. And that run, that final run by Ezekiel Elliott, you could feel it coming all game. It was going to happen. It couldn't have happened at a better time. What a, what a, what a hole blown up in the line there on the left side uh, to go 32 yards untouched. And the Steelers are obviously thinking pass there. But what a showing by the entire offense of Dallas. I don't know if they're thinking pass. I think they're, they're, the run, I think they're run blitzing. Uh, you know, they're all stacked up. It's kind of like a short yardage defense where if you can get past that first uh, you know, area, you're going to go long. Ryan Shazier is the guy who I think is going to get picked on a little bit in the defensive meeting room. He he over-pursued. He tried to make a play. 
Ezekiel with the great cut. What a what a way to end. That it. is 209 total yards, Chris Wessling, and three touchdowns for Zeke. Also had, I believe, 83 yard touchdown reception. Well, yeah, it was a catch and run that was Whoa. really the highlight for Dak early until he, that really the team really got it going late. Brace yourselves for approximately 74 hours of Zeke MVP talk on <laughs> NFL Network and all other networks this week because the Dallas Cowboys dominate all hype like no other team in the but league. But they deserve it well, this they time do, around, they do. right? And by the way, if you want to you want to throw Elliott there, I would say uh, this is what, the, what we mentioned a few weeks ago. You want co-offensive rookies of the year. It is just as much Dak Prescott, ten yards per pass today. You know, it, w- these games. Why are the why do we find these games are the game of the year? Because every big name played well. The only person you could point to and say, well, maybe Le'Veon Bell didn't have the box score as a, as a runner. He was fantastic on certain runs. The game flow didn't allow for him to have a huge blow-up game, but he's one of the most patient runners in the league, and he showed it today. Des Bryant at his biggest game of the year. I mean, Big Ben finished with 408 yards. It was no fluke. It was everything you'd ask for happened in this by the end. And the drive to win the game, I think, showed what's been good about Dak Prescott. They blitzed him a couple times, including one where they got a rusher free off the edge on him. He was very calm, moving in the pocket, bought some time, ends up finding Jason Witten. That's the play, I believe, that they get the 15-yard penalty. A lot of rookie quarterbacks in this that situation panic, or they throw it away, or they get sacked, and, and he makes the right play. I think we've now reached a stage where uh, you know, people like Skip Bayless and all those clowns are going to continue to push it as a conversation piece. But I don't think there's any way that Dak Prescott exits the yeah. starting lineup unless he gets hurt at this point. Mark, don't don't even mind what people are saying on Twitter because Jerry Jones isn't thinking that. And he said after the game, it's obvious what we're going to do at, at quarterback, and yet we still get – we still get asked about it every week. I mean, the problem is, I think we all see Tony Romo as a sympathetic guy who couldn't have done more for this team. Was always sort of dealt with that perspective where he's not been the to, not been able to do just enough to lift them over the hump. Now you're on a team where they clearly have the chance to get there, and he's been displaced essentially. It, it's crazy because we we figured we'd be talking. I mean, after Ben Roethlisberger went on that drive to win the game without a lot of time on the clock for him either, and he has a fake spike to, to go ahead. I mean, that seemed like that's going to be the story, that the Cowboys defense, which has been a little vulnerable all year, that finally came back to haunt him. Well, a hark backs to a Dan Marino game that sort of ruined Dan's childhood to some degree, I would <laughs> was imagine. was at the game. One last thing on Zeke. I, I know that it's a good story if they're co-rookies of the year or whatever, but I don't think we've ever seen – what Zeke Elliott's doing? Oh, I, the most no argument. Arguably the most complete all-around player at his position in the entire league. The best team in that conference rests on what he does with his legs every single week, and he is that physical bell cow and tone setter for the best team in the conference. I think he's going to be the guy. Well First said. place Baltimore Ravens going into Week Eleven by their lonesome. Wow. <laughs> uh, here's the solution, by the way, Mark. Um, don't watch. TV, which you don't really watch anyway, uh, and on your tweet deck, mute Romo, <laughs> and you will not see yeah. anything about that's, this. That's a pretty neat. That's a pretty uh, compact solution by you. We'll follow it. Yes. Uh, let's move on. Check in elsewhere in the NFC East. Wentz in the shotgun. He slips it off to Ryan Matthews. He's in. Eagles take the lead. They recapture the lead. Ryan Matthews his second touchdown of the day. I want to hear what that guy, Merrill Reese of WIP, sounds like in real life. Like talking at the dinner table. 
Probably. You know, depending on the situation, you might get that similar call to Pass the meatballs. Nice. I like that. Anyway, so. Welcome back, Ryan Matthews. The forgotten tailback rushed for 119 yards and two touchdowns, including the one you heard there that put the Eagles ahead for good in a uh, what was a 24-15 win over the Atlanta Falcons. Chris Wessling, the Eagles played keep away from the Atlanta offense on Sunday, and it worked. Do you expect more teams to follow suit? Yes, and I think a lot of coaching staff would have gone into this game and said, we can pick on a Falcons secondary that has already given up more touchdown passes than they did all of last season. And the Eagles did something smart and said, they said, let's keep their offense off the field. Let's control the clock, make the game shorter, and make make them beat us on the few possessions they do have. And it worked wonderfully for the Eagles. Ryan Matthews had his best game of the season, the first 100-yard game for the Eagles since last October. Wow. Honey, did you DVR Blue Bloods? <laughs> The Eagles' offensive line pushed the Falcons' defense around today, just bullied them, and it's something we see from the Falcons every year. They're spineless on defense. Mm. Well, we've thought that they're getting better on D, but maybe that doesn't travel. Maybe that's a dome thing because when you think of their pass rush, you know, on, on the turf, they've got some I mean, they're, there. they got some big hitters. I don't know. They, maybe they're getting better in D, which means they're going from 30th to 24th, and that's right. still not great. Well, and part of it has to do with a Falcons offense that puts you on your toes where they've been up in games, and I think that helps your pass rush come alive when you force the other team into, you know, rough situations. This is the opposite today, it sounds like. How did, uh, how did Matt Ryan look in his MVP uh race, campaign, whatever you want to call it. This was by far the best defense anyone has played against the Falcons all year. And none of it was Matt Ryan's fault, really, until the interception at the end of the game when they were trying to come back two scores down. Uh, He made some beautiful throws to Julio Jones, high degree of difficulty plays that they came through, but no one else really stepped up except for Taylor Gabriel's double move that left Leotis McKelvin in the dust. Um, it, it wasn't one of their typical games where you see the running backs and the tight ends and Mohamed Sanu involved in the passing attack. They they just had nothing outside of Julio Jones. They seem like also, you know, I saw you mentioned in your write-up that typically they can hurt you on the ground too. They're so diverse. But 48 yards today, it, it doesn't seem like it was a big part of the game plan. There was no real chain-moving element to it. They had a lot of short drives. Uh, and then they would punt, but there was no sustaining element in their running game this week. But on a on a day where the other teams in the NFC South kind of fell back, it's like it. I don't think it hurts them that bad. But Philly, I know I've been honking about Philly a lot. I do feel like they've got enough things going on that that they can be that team that emerges for one of those final playoff spots. Obviously, it's going to be tough to catch the Cowboys, to say the least, but for one of those wild cards. But they got I, a lot going on. I'm with you, and they're an imperfect team. You can point to certain things about them, that their defense is not that maybe the defense it was at the start of the season to some degree. But the Eagles, compared to where they were in January, a ship completely rudderless had just fired its coach. The combination of Peterson and Carson Wentz, and Jim Schwartz have really have really brought a hopeful season. You're five and four. You still have a shot. I don't think the defense is any worse. I just think they're a Jekyll and Hyde team, and their defense is so much better at home than it is on the road. Their home away splits are terrible. They're four and zero at home, one and four on the road, zero and three in the division. And if you're chasing a wild card spot, and you need to have a nice conference record, three and four right now. So they got to beat some of these conference teams and to uh, help out with high uh, tiebreaker situations. The Falcons go into the bye. They should get Tevin Coleman and Jacob Tammy back after the bye. 
and we've mentioned this several times, they've been tested as much as any team in the league this year. The Eagles' defense at home is one of the toughest tests you can have. Uh, let's uh, stay in the NFC East. Bradford with the play clock at 15, out of the shotgun, takes the snap, drops back to pass. He's under pressure. He's going down. Preston Smith, who had the huge interception earlier in the fourth quarter, rips him down, and that will do it. The Redskins' defense hangs on and holds on to this six-point lead. That was Tom McCarthy of Westwood One Sports. Dustin Hopkins hit four second-half field goals, and the Redskins shut out the Vikings in the final two quarters to secure a 26-20 win at FedEx Field. Uh, speaking of uh, you know playoff implications and tiebreakers, this one could have huge implications uh, in the next month. Mark, the Vikings ripped off 20 unanswered points in the first half and still lost this game. What the hell is happening with the team of ATL? Well, I would... I, I would point to the fact that that interception was not actually it because yeah. they had a chance. I think that was the sack that closed the game. Out. Yeah, all right, they, that's fair. They, they, they had a chance to win this thing, but their, their second-half possessions were comprised of two punts, a pick, and a failed two-minute drive. And why is that? Because when the Redskins are good and they're operating the way that they can on offense, and I really find their offense – much more enjoyable than I thought I would this season and then, than some others do. They ate up 11 minutes of the third quarter clock, absolutely keeping Minnesota off the field, destroying any sort of momentum you want to say they had from that 20-point swing to end the first half, and then shut them down in the fourth quarter. And Rob Kelly, who I, th- I realize people think he's just a guy, well, he's just that a Rob. guy that got the job done today because they won the game Right there, with their, they were able to, t- to use the run game and enough effective passes from Kirk Cousins to take down Minnesota's defense. And I no longer look at Minnesota's defense as this. Yes, their statistics and where they are statistically is based so much on the front half of their season. They are, you, can, you can score points on them right now, and a team like Washington today proved that this game was not as close as it then looked they're to done. Me. I mean, if Minnesota's defense... Oh, well, they're not become... making the playoffs. Where are they going to rip off three or four wins? Wow. Or, or much less six? So you think they're, I... they're done? You ready to stick a fork? I, because, Greg, this is where we differ. I understand that you look at things and say, this can happen, this can happen. And you know what? I'm they're often, in every game. I'm often they're wrong. in every game. I'm often, they're in every game, but they're also... They're, go watch this and tell me if you really believe this game or the last two games they were in, if you really believe that Minnesota is the better team they're, going they're to win first, these games. First place team in the division could be 0-9. I mean, I, I, would, I, I would not rule the Vikings out here, at all. Here's the other thing. when we see this all the time, that teams can look terrible for a month and then completely turn the other way and then back again. So all right. for all we know, they, they have another got, okay. streak. Point taken. They might make the playoffs, but I, I'm at a different point than where I was with the Vikings when I said I believe in them. They can go damage teams. They can dominate teams. Now we're talking about them hanging on in a bad division. That's a different place for me than where we were before. Well, you're right. The defense showing cracks over the last three weeks is the biggest problem because the offense has improved dramatically the last couple of weeks. With really? This Shermer. Yeah. Dramatically? I mean, comp- I mean, I, they were one of the worst offenses in the league for I, the first few, five, They were completely six, inept They, they the could not do anything. The, the Bears game, they gave up a ton of yards to the Bears. The defense really blew it at the end of the Lions game, a game they basically outplayed the They Lions need another the dramatic improvement to get right. back to good on offense. You, you are asking them to win in the NFC North and in the NFC when you cannot 
run the ball. You are simply running the ball yeah. to attempt to fool people. I understand that the passing game is a little more up-tempo in Minnesota, and that's working to some degree. But the team to talk about here is the Redskins. They're 5-1-1-1 over the last seven games. They're the much more intriguing, balanced team than Minnesota is right now. And you think that Rob Kelly is a major upgrade on No, on I'm not saying he's a major upgrade. I sure seems to, like it to me. Today he got the job done, and they I've play, seen him come in before and, and spell Jones, and he's played well. I'm why not won't you say he's, he's a major upgrade when you've been talking about him for the last few because weeks? Because I think Matt Jones, if he's not turning the ball over, is the equal of Rob Kelly. Well, they clearly have more of a clock-killing presence with Rob Kelly out there. They, uh, well, Matt Jones did the same things to the same thing to the Eagles less than a month ago. Yeah, one ago. time. So oh, I'm I just mean, saying. He, Matt Rob Jones Kelly's has been one of the most inconsistent backs in the NFL the last two. I years. just think people calling Rob Kelly just this average nobody. I understand he's more eight. of a one-dimensional type runner, but he's been fine. Ain't no one calling Fat Rob an average nobody when he's from running back you. <laughs> well, mean, that's, a, Rob's that's, that's a niche take. That is a um, niche take. Let's hear what Kirk Cousins had to say after a dramatic win. That's, that's really what he said. That is really. <laughs> that is. <laughs> that's the new. Uh, uh, you like that as he was oh, coming off. Please God, the field, no. Vine probably will be uh, vined about three million times by the time you hear this. One more time. Ooh-wee. Wait, so is he trying to start something? <laughs> obviously, else? This I mean, is something obviously. that's a little. It's he a saw, little annoying. He saw the smartphone and he was like, "Oh, don't panic, don't panic," because it was a, the exact same spot, even in the locker room, running from off the field past the little press area into the locker room. He saw it, his eyes flashed, and this is the best he could come up with. I mean, it doesn't feel contrived at all. You know what doesn't feel contrived either? I know she went down a few buttons here on this uh, shirt. It is hot in here. A little bit of a cool dad look now. It's more like trying to cool down body temperature. People on Periscope. Cool dad. Let us know if it's working. It's not the attempt. I am about to start, you know, shedding skin and craziness. It's just hot in here. The Vikings are about to shed a kicker. This has to be the end for Blair Walsh, who missed another extra point, and he's now missed eight oh. kicks mm. on the season, including four field four, goals, four PATs. Four PATs, and that, I mean, they were they stayed with him after k- kicker auditions uh, last week. I cannot imagine that they'll stay with him again. That changed the game because it, it that little extra point kept Washington within one score, what it would have been two scores in some situations. It changed the game because he never and he never seems to miss PATs when it's like uh, twenty-one to three or anything. But I guess that's because the Vikings can't blow anybody out. It's always a close game that they're involved with. We'll see what happens. You want to check in on the defending Super Bowl champions? Sure. Okay, let's do it. And now a very important extra point. Snap. Broncos jump over the ball and they block the extra point and it's picked up. Denver's running down the field. This ball picked up and running down the field. That is Will Parks. Parks into the end zone, a two-point conversion. And the Broncos, with 1.22 left, lead this game 25-22. Wow. Dave Logan, KOA of the call. Just when you think you've seen everything, the Denver Broncos blocked an extra point, uh, and special teamer Will Parks returned it to the house. The deciding play in a 25-23 win uh, for the Broncos over the New Orleans Saints at the Superdome. Greg, the Saints had a huge upset win over the defending champs and let it slip away in one of the most unusual ways possible. My first question, are you okay? I am. I thought this was one of the most entertaining games I watched all season. It was a big-time lead for the Broncos that, that the Saints fought back from, and then the Broncos fight back. Both 
quarterbacks in this game fought back from multi-interceptions, but I thought Trevor Simeon's toughness uh, to withstand all the hits that he was taking was really impressive and was one of the keys to them winning. And the Saints, in a game where they did so many things right, sacked Simeon six times, hit him 11 times, Drew Brees' two throws to Brandon Cooks to what to tie that game, to look like it was going to win the game, were two of the best throws and plays I've seen all season, and then to lose it for a team that was on a roll here that worked so hard to get back to 4-4 four and four is a gut-punch game for the Saints. It's not a killer it, you know, it doesn't knock them out for the season, but it really felt like they had something good going before but that kick. Dan is Dan is uh, caught this at the perfect time because he doesn't have to be accountable at all for this, and I think he might have gone a different way anyway. But we went 0 for 4 in our so-called pick'em yeah. challenge against Damashek and friends oh, that's by trying to – I really thought New Orleans would win this. We all picked the Saints, and we were all wrong. Well, we can't kill ourselves for a, a back-and-forth game that could have gone either way. Not killing myself for it. I'm already over it. Right. I'm just pointing out the fact <laughs> that that's not going to help us get into this, you know, the first slot on that show and, that they talk about. And, yeah, that is disappointing, but who really cares ultimately? <laughs> that final Saints possession, by the way, Brandon Cook's 32-yard touchdown pass, six plays, 75 yards in a minute, 28. Right. He gets oh. the ball. You need a touchdown. The defense had helped them out. Michael Thomas, the Saints receiver, fumbled the ball twice in the fourth quarter. They had four turnovers. I think they would have won the game if it's not for the Michael Thomas fumbles, especially the first one. The defense, it was the best the Saints defense has looked in a long time. And I really came away thinking this Broncos offensive line if it doesn't change, it's it's the end of them. It's they much, can't overcome it. They can't much, overcome it. Much bigger problem than the quarterback. Yes. I thought Simeon, I know he threw two bad interceptions today, but until the first one, he was withstanding a lot of hits, making a lot of tough throws. He's got no running game. He's keeping the ball on the field. The Saints only had twenty minutes time of possession. I, I thought it's not his it's not on him. Well, he needed to make some plays in this game. So if, if he did, that's that's a good sign for him and his job security. And the other thing about when you – because, again, I've, I don't think any of us have ever seen a game decided like this before. And <laughs> what what really sucks about it – a lot of things sucks about suck about it if you're a Saints fan or the Saints. But when that happens, and maybe you don't know this or some people don't know this, not only do you give up the two points, it's not like, all right, well, we can get it back. we got a minute 16. Yeah. No, you're now kicking it off yeah, to the other team. To kill it. And if you don't recover the onside kick, which I'm assuming they, they did, did not, not, game over. What, I mean, what a way to lose. What percentage of when you go into any NFL stadium – how many like were on top of that rule the minute it was happening and knew what was going on? It's a relatively new rule, and you have to wonder if half the home crowd is thinking, what just occurred oh, here? And to everyone screaming at their uh, mobile devices or however they're listening to this podcast, first of all, thank you. <laughs> the bottom of our hearts. Uh, but second, we should mention that uh, millions of Saints fans believe Will Park stepped out of bounds on the play, but his gleaming uh, Joe Namath white cleats <laughs> matched uh, the gleaming white uh, paint on the carpet at the Superdome, so there just was no clear view to overturn it, even though it looked very close to being It looked like out he bounds. was out, but I can get why they didn't overturn it. It also looked pretty clear that the Broncos held down the Saints center on the play so that he couldn't like lift up because if you touch the center when you're jumping over, it's a penalty. But I, and people getting worked up about that. That's called, you know, that's a good play by Denver. You know, you try to get away with little things. Yeah, that, but you're that, dying as a Saints fan. You're like, there's right. no way that just happened. And when you have any inkling of a, a chance to be like, no, this doesn't count, you're going to go nuts over it. Yeah. I, the, the crazy thing is I came away from this feeling almost better about the Saints. They protected Drew Brees against the Broncos very well, and their defense, Cameron Jordan, uh, 
Kenny Vaccaro. They played better than well, the Well, what you can line. feel Why? good about in the NFC, if you look at the standings right now in the NFC, if they were to put together some sort of win streak, they are right in this thing for a wild card spot. And an out-of-conference loss, so you don't get killed on the tiebreaker. All these things matter as we head toward December. Let's move on. Newton will throw and caught at the 32-yard line. It is caught by Kelvin Benjamin. Now the ball taken away. The ball is brought out at the end of the play. It's pulled away at the 24-yard line. It was Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters just yanked the ball away from Kelvin Benjamin and gets the ball to the 24-yard line of Carolina. Mitch Holtis, KCFX. Marcus Peters' clutch strip of Kelvin Benjamin was the play of the game, setting up Cairo Santos' 37-yard field goal as time expired to lift the 7-2 Chiefs. That's right. You paying attention yet? To a 2017 win over the Carolina Panthers. Uh, This was just a grisly Home loss for the defending NFC champions who were outscored 17 to nil in the fourth quarter. Greg Rosenthal, time to convene the Fort Committee? We could. This is the NFC. They play on Thursday night against the Saints. If that's not a loser goes home game, I don't know what is. The the thing More that about the, that later, by the way. I, I mean I know I know they're three and six, but the Panthers for for Three quarters of this game, we're thinking this is exactly who we are. You know, we're controlling the ball. We're running it. Cam Newton's running it. Our defense looks as great as it did the last few weeks, and and that was as tough a loss I've seen any team take in the entire season. Maybe we can give up on them when they're three and seven, or three and eight, or three and nine. I mean, because this is the difference between this team and last year's team. I see differences. Cam Newton's getting waxed. They're turning the ball over more. And listen, they were winning these games last season. And you know what? No questions asked. But they were starting to get a little bit of mojo working, which makes this loss even more crushing for them because if they win this game, they got a three-game win streak, but instead uh, they're almost right back where they started but with time running out. I think it's it's a game that it's very similar to me as the Saints game. I mean, it's very similar to what happened to New Orleans. There was – I think the key part of this game, there was a 20-play drive that the Panthers ended up punting, and they get it into the red zone. They're going in for a three-score lead uh, going into the fourth quarter at that point, and they go backwards, end up having to punt, and the game changes right there. Well, and as always, we talk about the other team, win or lose, before we talk about Kansas City, but how about your boy, Tyreek Hill? Yeah, boy. Ten catches. It's crazy. I mean, he, he's almost like a guy you could play in fantasy leagues at this point, Tyreek Hill. He's the, he was their leading receiver. I mean, the, the Chiefs won a game. Here are some things that happened. They had 165 net passing yards, and they scored no touchdowns on offense, and they, and they won the game. Eric Berry's interception to Cam Newton. What a which, play. Which was on Cam was, was an unbelievable play by Eric Berry. Do you trust the Chiefs? How, when you look at their ceiling, last year they went into the playoffs. They lost to New England. They're the number two seed in the AFC right now. Does anyone trust them in here to do real damage in January? No. The Chiefs? I mean, again, I don't want to fall down that wormhole in the sense that they could end up going like 12-4 and or 13-3. I kind of think they're just as dangerous as any team but the Patriots. I I really do. AFC is pretty wide open other than New England at this point, I feel like. So if they could knock off a couple teams that aren't the Patriots, I wouldn't be stunned, but I could easily see them one and done also. So kind of on the fence. That's, that would be there. the definition of, oh, I think the, someone else you could start well. to be, you know, attributed to <laughs> this on-the-fence nonsense. You don't like so that. The, it's ridiculous. 
the team that had no business beating the three and six Panthers today is the second most dangerous team in the AFC. I mean, I'm looking That's past just this week. I think they've been really consistent. The offense has been a big problem the last two weeks, but in, until then, I, I thought they were showing some things on offense. Um, all right, let's move on, gentlemen. And uh, oh, by the way, Wes, Cam Newton brought back the dab. Your thoughts? <laughs> K pounded. <laughs> uh, you talked about the loser goes home match. Um, I listened to the podcast on Thursday, took copious notes, and then filed them away privately. They're really for my eyes only. But one thing was you, we weren't really sure where we want to go with the term for what is like the loser goes home. Right. Uh, it's like a Phil Simmons term. Yeah, we want to kind of have our own. Isn't that a wrestling term? It, yeah, I mean, it's kind of. It was originally a wrestling term. And now we're, next game we're going to talk about Miami versus San Diego. Um, so I, I, I came up with a couple different ones. And wanted, uh, again, run it by the group. Uh, here, here's the first one. Loser immediately dies. What do you think? Loser immediately dies. It's a tad extreme. Okay. I kind of like its definitive nature, but let's see what else you got. Right. It would mess up the rest of the season, you know, just in terms of scheduling. So that oh, would be like problematic. Actually, yeah, it dies. If okay. they died, yeah. Well, I don't want to have any confusion. How about this? <laughs> Loser disappoints his dad. All the fathers disappointed. I mean, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, I like Yeah. That might be the winner right there. All right, well, and here's the last one. Loser unhappy with outcome, but able to keep it in proper perspective. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's a winner right there. It's very catchy. <laughs> which which is your favorite? Oh, clearly the third one. I think it's got to be the third because it also aligns with um, kind of the league mandate that we need to somehow sell these teams deep into December. All right, so coming up Thursday night only on NFL Network. Loser unhappy with outcome, but able to keep it in proper perspective. So let's check out that game. Uh, Dolphins, San Diego. Whoa. Back to throw. Looking. Fired. Intercepted. He's got it. He's got it. Alonzo's got it. At the 40, 35, 30. Being chased out. He's at the 20. He's at the 10. The 5. Touchdown, Touchdown. Miami. No flags. Wow. There are no flags. Keiko Alonzo oh. with an interception. Oh, my God. And a pick six. Huge play. <laughs> Jimmy Cephalo, who gargles with Cephalo. Leech. Cephalo, WKAM with the call. Kiko Alonzo's peaks, uh, pick six, the third of four. Phillip Rivers' fourth quarter interceptions was the deciding play in a 31-24 win for the Dolphins over the Chargers in San Diego. Uh, Greg, the Dolphins. Oh, no. Guys. Who had this one? Well, it must have been me because Mark has not picked a lock of the week in three weeks. So <laughs> by process of elimination, yeah, it wasn't it's me. me. Could have uh, been Colleen. Well, you picking the Chargers that adds yeah, up, no, uh, well, Greg. Anyway, so Greg, you uh, you cannot lock it up, uh, but the Dolphins have won four straight. Uh, while the Chargers uh, may have just punched their ticket to the boneyard. Yeah, this is one in the AFC that's gonna be hard to imagine them recovering from. That you gotta win this game at home against Miami. Give the Dolphins secondary, who's been much maligned this year, credit for making some good plays on the ball. Two of those interceptions. Don't don't give the Dolphins secondary credit. Well, in this game, why not? They blew coverages all through the game. Three penalties alone. Dontrell Inman drew on Bobby McCain. A defensive holding penalty gave the Chargers three fresh downs inside the five-yard line. This was not a secondary. Eco, right, but Eco, a linebacker, had the pick six. Right. I'm saying, though, the two of the interceptions, and I'm not even including the Alonzo one, which is an, a, obviously a great play, were great individual efforts that, that were 
you kind of thought, okay, that's a bad throw by Rivers, but wow, what what a play by the defensive back. I mean, you give them credit. They made was, the play. I mean, was this Rivers pressing too hard, as, as quarterbacks would say at times? Well, here's the thing. He threw four interceptions in the fourth quarter, and tucked in the middle of all that was a, a brilliant drive where he connected on a deep touchdown pass to tie the game. And I think it was just – I don't know. It was kind you, of a weird thing to watch more than anything. You have to take each one of those plays separately. You can't say there was one one motivating factor that determined all four interceptions. I'm sure that on one of the plays, at least, the receiver ran the wrong route. So I don't think you can say that Rivers was just pressing or something. The first two picks were both terrible. One was, I think, at the one-yard line, a pass to the goal line at the goal line that got picked off. And then the second pick, they were heading back to the red zone where he was picked a second time. So they were – and then the the third was the pick six, and the fourth came in their desperation final drive. Uh, so each one was uh, really painful. They were back-breaking turnovers. And, and if, you know, your catchy phrase – what is the proper perspective for the Chargers here? You're four and six now. Every other team in the division has seven wins. Get to the boneyard is where you're going. The proper perspective is the last 13 minutes of this game ruined your season. Yeah, as did a large chunk of the games you played earlier in the year. And you've, you've lived and died on these bizarre, dramatic, down-to-the-wire scenarios. But good teams don't go through this every week. And you're you're gonna you got burned too much at this point. You cannot survive a game like this. And it's crazy to see what Miami's done over the last month. Where we considered them a month ago, I mean, I had completely cast them off. This is a big win for Miami. They're they laughed alive. at the old Zeuser. They said, "You fool! You know nothing." I say, "Put down that fork. This team has a run in them." I also believe they'll fall back to the pack again, but I thought you that, got uh, all the bases covered. I, I yeah. think they had one run, three or four games, and it will probably turn hard left any minute now. But they have that run now where they're in the conversation, and good for Dolphins fans. They have a new formula here, and Ryan Tannehill, one of his best games of his career today, his toughness stood out. Uh, perfect throw to Kenny Stills on a long touchdown, and then he escaped Melvin Ingram. And ran for 18 yards on a touch, on a first down. Three three plays later, hit Damian Williams for a perfectly uh, placed touchdown to give them a lead. And then late in the game, he takes a shot from Corey Legit in his neck while he's attempting to throw, and still hits Devontae Parker deep down the sideline uh, for a game tying field goal. Really, I-, I thought Tannehill played well in here, and their offense has not had a turnover in their four game winning streak. That's that's crazy, and that's so undolphins. And Tannehill. He could put up some highlights. He's not consistent, but this year people get on. Remember the whole thing? He can't throw the ball deep. He's throwing the ball deep really well this year. He also delivers balls, like passes, as he's getting crushed really well. It's it's everything. It's almost like the easy stuff that, that he struggles with. This was a game. I mean, he's putting putting up some highlight reel. Play. What were you saying in the newsroom, Dan, about Tannehill? Oh, that, you know, we, we're still waiting five years in for him to hang some onion in a big spot late mm. in the fourth quarter. Nut up, I believe, was the expression I used. You used it, and it seemed like he did nut up. He heard you. He Well, he let a field goal drive. Let's calm down. <laughs> he threw an unbelievable pass yeah, while nice getting raked in the neck how about that? How about this, Greg? I'm just saying, because I know you're you're on that train, even though you try to really. you're not. I'm really not. He's off. Finish I'm the drive. You, I'm not. Finish the drive. That's all. And and you could say got, that about the three. whole Dolphins team over the last five years. I loved West, by the way. I loved your theory on Thursday's show again. I listened to it privately from a uh, UCLA uh, hospital room. Took copious notes, handwritten. I think it was five, six pages. Are you going to release the notes to us? Never. It's all very deeply personal thoughts. They were probably overtly positive (laughs) from end to end, I'm certain. Wes, your take that the the Miami mercenaries buying in now that uh, things are going the right direction, I like that. I believe it. 
I think that happens every year with at least one or two teams in the NFL that are built on free agents. That that, that the way that Mike Tannenbaum imagined that defensive line is starting to come to fruition. Cameron Wake is playing great. Andre Branch had another big game. Earl Mitchell returned for their team, uh, and I think that's going to be a big factor for them. They're playing the Rams next week in L.A. I mean, they they shut down Melvin Gordon on the ground. Gordon did all of his damage really through the air. Yeah, Rams defense not going to be an easy situation. No, I'm not saying that's an easy win, but that's a winnable game. If you can win in San Diego, you can win in L.A. Didn't see any uh, honking from uh, Wes's uh, Desert Consigliere on Twitter today. About Gordon? Yeah. I mean, he had 130 yards. No honking, though. That's all. I'm just making a comment. I mean, who knows what that guy's up to on a ran- on a random Sunday? He could be. <laughs> well, we know what he was up to last Sunday. Could, there could be Bacchanalia in Vegas, you know. But, <laughs> let's check out another team in the AFC playoff race. Titans offset the eye to the left on first and five. They're going to run to Marco Murray. A lot of room. 30, 40, 50, 40, 30, 20, 15, and five. Into. 75 yards! Touchdown, Titans! DeMarco Murray to the house! That's a good job by you, Mike Keith, the WGFX. DeMarco Murray started things off with a 75-yard touchdown run on the Titans. Never look back, laying the wood to the spiraling Packers. A 47-25 win in Nashville. Uh, Marcus Mariota threw four more touchdown passes for the Titans, uh, who are suddenly alive and well in the AFC South race. Chris Wessling. Who's more fun to watch than the Titans? Look at you, as You're all back in now. Maybe the Cowboys? Mm. Other than that, who's more fun to watch than these Titans? You like those good offensive lines. Well, I think you're talking about a style of play. A style of play? And we wrote about this in the offseason, one of my – Biggest articles of the offseason, the powerhouse football is back, mm. pushing smaller defenses around. The Titans now have 35 or more points for three straight games, the first time in their history of the Houston Oilers-Tennessee wow. Titans. 26 or more in six straight games. Marcus Mariota is the hottest quarterback in the league statistically, and this is amazing. In 27% of his games, he has four or more touchdowns. Um, regret continues to build – on the old Zeuser fantasy team, dropping Marcus Mariota six weeks ago in favor of Tony Romo. Well, it, it's, building. It's even. It is the worst decision in fantasy football history. But even worse <laughs> because of the man you kept instead of. Mar- I was Mariota. yes. I was faced with a very difficult situation again. Think back six weeks ago. Should I keep Marcus Mariota, who was a mess? Or Blake Bortles, who was also a mess, oh, I don't... but stacked fantasy garbage points every once in a while. And I said, I'm sticking with Blake, and I took the rake. Or just not pick up Tony Romo, the guy with the broken collarbone. Listen, easy to say now. Easy to say now, Mr. Fancy Pants. What place are you in? Because we want to hear more about so you know said team. What place <laughs> is... are you in in your so-called division? I'm, I'm five. No, it's not a division. It's just an overall 12-team league. But uh, um, Greg thought of my fantasy team today. I did. It's the first time it's ever happened. Someone thought of someone else's fantasy team when Marcus Mariota. That's how well Mariota's playing. He's making tough throws. He made some pinpoint throws to Delaney Walker, uh, Rashard Matthews, Tajay Sharp. Mariota was almost flawless in the first half of this game. And the Packers look like dead men walking. In the first half, in the first quarter, they were outgained 231 to 17 yards with eight seconds left in the first quarter. It It was a complete and utter thrashing 35 to 10 is the biggest uh, deficit at halftime since Aaron Rodgers has been in Green Bay, I believe. 
It was not a contest. Kevin Patrick called the Packers collectively hungover. From what? I think Patrick was collectively Uh-oh. hungover. <laughs> you smell that? That's a butt. I, I know a melting butt when I smell it. Oh, it's Mike McCarthy. This is the first oh, time wow. I actually believe he's in trouble. Because when you're getting now embarrassed, by, and we're all excited now about the Titans, and they're playing very well in the last month or so, but this is how you get fired. Oh, we're past Mulligan uh, territory for, Mike the, Mulligan, for Green no Bay. Mike Mulligan, no more. I think he's. Does everybody agree with me or no? I, I've thought also. Dom Capers is definitely in trouble. I, you know, well, he, he's Dom, unkillable. Dom Capers has lived through a thousand yeah. disasters <laughs> yeah. at this point. His hair will live forever. Kevlar Dom. I, I think if their offense is still ranked in the middle of the league at the end of the year, McCarthy's going to go. Well, the offense. I think it, it's his offense, and if it's stale with Aaron Rodgers in his prime for a second straight year, especially if they end up with a losing record or out of the playoffs. Well, I, the question I, will be for what? It, 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 it all depends on what and who is out there to make that switch because the Packers are not a team that does this without doing a lot of thought behind it. They don't. There are, coaches. there are some Andy Reid parallels. A longtime coach, an offensive guru, you fire him. Two years later, maybe you have to hire a, another branch of his coaching tree because you hired the wrong guy and you didn't have a, a better but, option. But Andy Reid would even admit it was a good thing for him to get fired in Philadelphia. He was kind of – he had had too much power almost, and it's not the same thing with McCarthy. But I don't think you're going to get Mike McCarthy to sort of reached, that anytime soon. He had sort of reached the end of his rope, I guess is what I was saying, in Philadelphia. Like, he needed a new start. I think stale is a good word for their offense. Uh, I want to take a peek here at the AFC South, which, of course, Wes is. But. But. Uh, the Houston Texans 6-3, and three, but are, you know, terrible. They stink, let's be honest. Uh, deep down, we all know it. Uh, Tennessee now 5-5, five and five, Indy 4-5, and five, and then the Jags 2-7. and seven. So, uh, even though there's a, a little bit of a cushion right now for the Texans, uh, Titans have a real shot. They should be the favorite. Well, Wes, I was going to ask you, you've been saying un- until this minute that the Colts were your pick in this division. Uh, the last few weeks on this podcast. Yeah, I, I tend to go back and forth with the Colts and the Titans, but the Titans are clearly the better team. I just have more confidence in Andrew. I, I think this Titans team. Whew. Let's talk about the rest of the AFC South. Here's the snap. Bortles looking left, fires that way, and it's picked up by Kareem across the 35-30, 25-20, 15. Cuts inside at the 10 over the 5. Kareem jacks into the house. Pick six. The Texans get on the board first. 43-yard INT return for the touchdown. That was Mark Vandermeer of KILT. Ooh, the kilt. You think they have, like, their call is, like, they get, like, a Scottish brogue. Oh, I don't, I don't doubt it Bag at all. They're listening to the kilt. Of course they must. Bagpipes. That would definitely little help. Bagpipes. That would help ratings. They they must. In Denver. Can we work up a kilt um, sound drop for the next week's show? Oh, absolutely. Do you think we're going to need a Jaguars drop? We need a Scottish guy because I can't. My Scottish accent is basically an Irish brogue, so it's like, "You're listening to the kilt." That's that's not Scottish. Uh, Dan suddenly it's worried a, about the attempt. accuracy of his foreign impression. <laughs> I always worry about it because it's a commitment to excellence. Anyway, Kareem Jackson was the latest defensive back to reap the benefits of Blake Bortles' endless string of first quarter humiliation, running back an interception, 42 yards for a touchdown. It helped propel the Texans to a 24-21 win over the Jaguars. Uh, who should be relegated. Mark, Brock Osweiler threw for just 99 yards, but you don't have to be Montana when facing the NFL's inland beach house. I can't (laughs) believe it. (laughs) I mean, we talked on Thursday about the fact that the Texans were going to be 6-3 and on Sunday night and that it was all 
a comprehensive mirage. Your quarterback, we just talked about Marcus Mariota, who is doing things that no Titans, really even Oilers quarterback, you can factor in Warren Moon to some degree, has done this early in one's career. And then you go to Houston, where yes, your record looks nice because you're picking up wins against the Jaguars and you're a defensive-led team. It's not going to last for long. They, they are not going to be able to stave off Tennessee if, games, if, if Tennessee continues to play the way it is. I don't like the way this offense is built on any level at this point, and they've got a major quarterback problem that we've hammered into the dirt. Nothing's changed <laughs> with this game. You, you got by the Jacksonville Jaguars thanks to another awful performance by Blake Bortles and a opponent in the Jaguars that you have no business losing to or even beating by just three points. The Gabbert zone is too generous for Brock Osweiler. Mm. Congratulations, Brock. You've done the well, impossible. This, this is their recipe, though. I think this it's is... It's not a recipe. This is well, their recipe, and it's... Play it, the Jaguars. It's, it's like making a brick in your no, oven and I'm, serving it to somebody and saying this is the recipe. You are right about that. It is the recipe. The recipe right. is, is... Play the Jaguars This is week. what happens. If, if you hold the team... You have the opposing team to under 100 yards passing. You hold the opposing quarterback to under four yards per attempt, but you lose the game. You got brocked. Hmm. You got brocked. You got you just brocked. got brocked by the Texans. We're going to come in. We're going <laughs> to not throw the ball. We're going to look so bad. You can't believe what happened. But at the end of the game, we won it. You got Wes. brocked. Can we I get mean, ISO you, shot on Wes not believing where Greg's coming from? You can, you can have brocked, but it's not a recipe. No. It's something they get lucky to do every once in a while based on randomness of their opponent. Well, I would say their recipe is leaning almost exclusively on their defense to shut down opposing quarterbacks and score points like they did today. It's their defense that have gotten to this point. It's not sustainable. I don't care what their final record is. I don't care where they go. They're not going to go anywhere in January, and they are suddenly very clearly not the best team in their division. I don't think that was true three weeks ago. Ran for 181 yards, including Akeem Hunt. Can against Jacksonville? Can Brock Oswald or can Blake Bortles play safety? Because he's not a quarterback. Not right now. You can't have a newcomer come in and steal a show. Jacksonville is going to finish the season probably around four and twelve, and they might have a very difficult decision to make with that first pick. Let's see uh, how that plays out. And now, this week's insane soundbite from a completely real CBS primetime series. Carbon dioxide is collecting at dangerous levels at the bed of the lake. A town faces disaster. The lake's about to explode. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. But, Greg, can you please tell, no, no, I, please I tell can't the even, audience? I can't even say Listen, it. Listen, it's not it's, coming from you. It's coming from a CBS no, it, primetime it, series. It all needs to be beeped out. But this from there was a Blue Blood trailer or commercial a couple weeks ago where the guy kept saying, she's a murder victim because she was or no, murder suspect. I blew it. <laughs> it's over. We're bleeping that out. That's just for the All right, Give it to me again. Give it to me again. She's a murder suspect because she was a <laughs> What does that even mean? I, I don't know, but it's a disturbing thing to have in a commercial. Not only in CVS. Come back to us with some of these shows. <laughs> My God. Kevin Can Wait is leading into uh, Last Man in the House with Matt LeBlanc right now. Whoa. <laughs> Tiffany Network, come back to us. The fact that the, the murder suspect thing, was they pulled that from the episode. They're like, what's the best line in this episode? Let's go with that. And, th- and then today's was uh, about the lake exploding. How does a lake explode? It just sounds like endless Stupid. clickbait material television on some level. Scorpio, Mondays, 9 p.m. on CBS. That's where you can find that. Exploding really lakes. curious about how a lake explodes. 
Now, speaking of explosions, the 2016 New York Jets. Shotgun for Bryce Petty. Drops back, looks left, throws left. And it looks like it's intercepted by Alec Ogletree. The middle linebacker for the Rams picks it off, intended for Quincy Anunwa, and the Jets will lose it today to the Los Angeles Rams. In a battle between two going-nowhere teams, the Los Angeles Rams leaned on their defense in a, oh, yeah, 9-6 win over the Jets, spoiling Bryce Petty's first career start. Petty had a few moments uh, here. The best was a 99-yard touchdown drive in the second quarter that ended with the hook and ladder, which we need more hook and ladder in our lives in a non-like end-of-game scenario. Uh, but it became uh, uh, he became increasingly tentative here as the Jets were shut out in the second half. The Jets are now 3-7, and seven, obviously going nowhere. I think they should bring back Bryce Petty uh, for the rest of the season. We'll see how they come back from their bye week. Uh, Todd Bowles has any brains to me you stick with the kid and, and get an idea of what's going on uh, with his development and on the ram side guys and there really doesn't need to be too much talk about this game on the ram side because when you guys i know you guys you guys devour tape this will be an easy watch this will be 30 minutes i would think on the game pass sign so, me up they'll find a way to get it to 50 um uh, the rams again sticking with case keenan for god knows what reason he was terrible in this game um and could not make a play, although there, I must say, again, in the first half, and this shows you, again, how terrible this Jet season has gone. Case Keenum and Kenny Britt were picking on Darrell Rivas in the first half. Um, Todd Gurley actually found some holes in the second half, so they had they were able to do some things. Uh, but, yes, the Rams are 4-5. and five, And I figured out something with the Rams, guys. This is how Jeff Fisher gets to seven wins every year. He doesn't get to more than seven or eight. But every game you have three or four like sewer game, like sewer type games every year where it's just a bad game between two kind of going nowhere teams. The Rams always seem to win those games. So they pick up four wins there, three or four wins. Then they have their two NFC West upsets every year. So all of a sudden you're up to like five or six. And then there's a couple teams that you're actually just actually better than and you take care of business. And there's seven or eight. But, and it's always the same script. And this is a sewer that checks out. sewer game that they took care of today. I mean, this is the third game this season, am I right here, that they haven't scored a touchdown. This is the NFL. The Rams? Yeah. Did they win all those games? They're 2-1 and one in those games. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff that's, I mean, that's what Jeff Fisher They have two, two touchdowns to in do. the last three weeks combined. Here's the stat of the day. The Rams had uh, eight plays in the red zone in this game, and they were uh, went for negative seven yards. Including first, this again, Jeff Fisher. Come back to us as well. I'll give you a preview of Jeff Fisher's Monday yeah. press conference. I thought Case played well. Yep. I thought Case played well. Case wasn't the problem. Uh, first and goal from the one in the first quarter. A run to Benny Cunningham. Fumble. Rams recover. Uh, a pass attempt. Incomplete. A pass to the left flat. Uh, taken down for two-yard loss. Todd Gurley never touches the ball. And then you send out the field goal kicker uh, for a 20-yarder. Uh, Todd Gurley never touched the ball. Fun times. Not even sure if that's a bad thing this year if Todd Gurley doesn't touch the ball. He, you'll see uh, in the second half what he had some holes and actually looked a little bit like a dynamic running back. Um, this could be – we might have to put this on temporary hiatus. CBS doesn't put anything on hi- hiatus because all the old people watch all their shows. But uh, this could be the last Keith Hansis uh, uh, visit for a little bit uh, because the Jets are completely irrelevant. But uh, let's hear from my dad. <laughs> His name is Keith. He's Dan's dad. 
Congratulate Danny and his wife on the birth of their new baby boy. Thanks, Pop. And now to some more, to some more stressing news. Uh, the Jets, terrible game, 9-6. Uh, that was between two offensively challenged teams. Uh, where also, just looking at the game, the announcing team had to be a great D pair there. Because whoever <laughs> heard of either one of these guys, and boy, I thought they were terrible. Love it. Uh, but the big thing was, I thought Petty, his first game, didn't look too good. He seemed to lose it all after he he had that misconnection on a bomb. And after that, that pick at the end was, was just forcing it. Terrible. Uh, that's basically it. Uh, I'm not sure why Petty was smiling at midfield at the end of the game. <laughs> I would think he would have been a little more intense, but maybe he was just happy he was sorry. That's it. Bye. Can I say one thing about levels. your dad? Yeah. You know, the listener can ride with us on things that we enjoy maybe more than some listeners would. I don't deep six that aspect of the show at all. If your dad is is unwilling to do it because it's becoming painful, but I think the thing about your dad and the reason the Jets fandom got handed down to you is because you don't disappear in week 10, week 11. Mm, You take it to the end. And, by the way, his analysis is concise and correct. I think TD has some competition for body language reading. You, Keith Hansis is very big on body <laughs> watch, language. Watch out for Penny. Did that bother you? Uh, I, I missed it. I have to go back and check it That's out. That's why we need your dad here. Yeah. No, I think uh, no, you make a very compelling case. You know, I think uh, I, I love to hear uh, my dad, and I think – I won't say, by the way, who that announcing team was or should we? That's what I've been Googling the last 30 seconds. Haven't figured it out. <laughs> it was the Tom Brenneman, Charles Davis uh, team. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can't you – can't, you can't, we can't. The thing, Charles Davis typically does a great job, honestly. Ian, like he's been very. He's that three man booth with him and Chris Spielman has been really good this yeah. year. One thing that got on my radar in the the game was, and this is a, um, a trait that that bugs me about all announcing teams. But when there's a bad quarterback involved, and you still feel the need to shower them with praise, even like the more they struggle almost when they do something even halfway competent, you have to double down. Like at one point, Case Keenum, uh, he scrambled for a first down and dove head first. And I think it was Brenneman just lost his S. He was like, oh, you could see the grit and determination in his face. You know, Case Keenum stinks. We're going to shower him with praise. Uh, Keith Hansa stays on the air and let's move forward. Play action fake sold by Winston. Dropping was a looking down the field. He's got by wide open receiver. It's Freddie Martino to the goal line. Touchdown Tampa Bay. Buccaneers get a touchdown throw. Freddie Martino's first career touchdown grab. Just a second catch as a pro. And the Buccaneers score on the opening series of the second half. Gene Deckerhoff, WFUS. Sounds like a good grandfather. You could tell in his voice. <laughs> kindly. Probably yeah, kindly absolutely. With, with his uh, you children, that, children. You gleaned that one uh, in my research. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers kept their season alive on Sunday, whipping up on the dreadful Chicago Bears in a 36-10 win at the Pirate Ship. I just made that up. Jameis Winston played one of his best games of the season, throwing for 312 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Greg, Tampa Bay has a lot of flaws, but there is a pulse on a day uh, where every other NFC South team went down. Yeah, in the standings, there is. It's it's funny to think that they're ahead, There's of, a pulse. ahead of the Panthers and tied with the Saints because, to me, they're not even close to in their 
caliber and they're not factors the rest of the year. But one thing I loved watching this game, and I'm sure everyone will see the highlights, it's something that Jameis Winston's been doing great all year, which is improvising and scrambling. I don't think he can make a living for the rest oh, of his career doing that, but he is one of the best quarterbacks throwing outside the pocket this year and just kind of making plays up as he goes along. It's fun to watch, if nothing else. All of that is true. Are you ready to uh, ditch your false narrative <laughs> that Jay Cutler is somehow uh, oh. bound to draw well, us I said, all in? I said I thought he had a chance. Clearly, I was wrong. In, in my notes, game. I haven't three watched turno- three killer turnovers in this game. Five and page five of my notes from Thursday's show is entirely uh, dedicated to the heat between Wes and Greg over Jay Cutler. Mm. That's been carrying on for about. I was wondering Wes's face started to look like a bull <laughs> before he enters the ring, and I honestly didn't know what was happening. I'm talking about just now. I was. I haven't watched this game at all, so I, I have was, no idea if he plays well. Harkening back to the dozens of tweets I got today from Bears fans thanking me. Oh, there you go. For <laughs> saying that Jay Cutler is that's a mighty you're not right? worthy of any praise. <laughs> I fell. I fell for one one good primetime game. He's due for that, I guess, every year. Yeah. Well, uh, you had a, you had four attempts at it, so he's probably the biggest tease I've ever seen in sports. Jay Cutler uh, contributed three turnovers in the first half alone, including a pick six to Chris Conte and a fumble inside Tampa's ten yard line. That ended a scoring chance. Uh, the Bears are now eight and sixteen under John Fox, who is also, ooh, ooh, my buttocks. No, I don't ooh, think so. Ooh, ooh. You don't think he's? Uh... Oh, I think they've been playing better the last few weeks, anyways. I I think when you have the youngest team in the NFL for the second straight year, by far. They're going to be grading them on a curve, and I think they're okay. they're in it with this GM and, and coach. What you're going to start all over again to every two Crazier years? Well, they're going to happen. They're definitely going to start all over on offense next year. I mean, you have to. You yeah. want Foxy involved on a complete offense rebound? At wide got, receiver. And you got Cameron Meredith. Alshon Jeffrey's going to the highest bidder. He's probably gone. He gone. You've got to draft a quarterback, and you've got to show that you can develop a quarterback. Is that is that John Fox? I'm not saying I would. I'm not saying he's my favorite uh, coach. I've well, in been fact, on the, the opposite. Yeah, it's kind of been the opposite. I right. just don't think he, he's gonna. It it all boils to. down to who enters the race, and if someone that we don't expect becomes available as a head coach, or more coordinators pop up between now and then. I mean, what 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 does it say about the Bears if it doesn't entice you to maybe look around? Mm. What is your ceiling in Chicago? By the uh, way, the Bucks who who are, you know, in the standings at Chiefs versus Seahawks at. Chargers versus Saints at Cowboys at Saints. Bye bye. I mean, I mean, if, every if, game, no matter who they're it, playing, is a coin flip at best. Right. Oh, if they win two of those games, I would be stunned. I mean, I think the over under is half a game. <laughs> what? I'm just saying. Have you watched? You their have defense? really turned on your bucks. Well, how would you know about the over under tape? Greg, we talked tape. about this. <laughs> You don't want to slide back. I'm saying those are good teams at Kansas City. The at you know you know the Seahawks. That's Greg has a very questionable past that the three (laughs) of us have simply overlooked to allow this podcast to go on without an investigation attached to it. You have worked very hard, and we're all very proud of you. We just don't want you to slide back. This is almost as fictional (laughs) as uh, Dan's Coal Town roots. Whoa, 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 whoa! (laughs) Did I tell you that I had a pet and it was a canary? Enough said. NFC West talk. Catanzaro's got two game-winning kicks in his career. He'll try for a third here. Here's the snap. Spot. Kick on the way. It is up, and it is good. It is good, and the Cardinals have won it. 
a big win for Arizona to get back to 4-4-1 and one on the season. Chandler Catanzaro. Catanzaro? You must have been green with envy at his casual drop of Catanzaro. Catanzaro? Was that what it was? Chandler Catanzaro didn't miss this time. The kicker swung the leg and converted on a 34-yard field goal as time expired, lifting the Cardinals to a desperately needed 23-20 win over uh, the feeble San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Mark, the Cardinals got back to 500, uh, but we ain't handing out lollipops for needing 60 minutes to knock off the Niners. Just not going to do it. You want a lollipop? Uh, go get it for somebody else. Maybe that kindly grandfather, Gene Deckeroff yeah. of WFUS, but it ain't coming from the Around the NFL podcast. If, if Gene is handing it out, that's one option. Uh, you're going to need to be buying your own candy and thank you pieces to yourself at this point. You're 4-4-1, four, four, and, and I understand Gene. the NFC is a big disaster outside of two or three teams, but – I, I don't know with the Cardinals. I mean, this was not the win that you would would say is an impressive one. I need to go back and watch it in full, but just looking at it from a bird's-eye view, give I, me more. I think this is the low point of their season. I mean, not really because you get a win. You feel good. But in terms of how I feel about the Cardinals which and how maybe we should look at the Cardinals, I think it's as bad a result as they've had. To score three points in the second half mm. against the 49ers and have it come down to a last second drive for your second half drives to be fumble, punt, interception, punt, interception, and then the field goal, which they, they did pull off to win the game. That's good. Against the 49ers, that's just – it's crazy. But one question. I mean, the Arizona. Niners it's have crazy. been – the run defense has been such a massive disaster. David Johnson, 2.9 yards per carry, held to 55 yards. This is – Arguably the best running back in football. He still he still had an impact, 100 total yards and two touchdowns. Well, he total, always but. finds a way through the air to do just as much yeah. as he does on the ground. I, on the, I'll on the ground, to, struggled. I have to wait for game pass to see, but yeah. the offensive line was the issue at Carolina before the bye. There were no holes for him. He was getting hit in the backfield. It's not on David Johnson. One of the reasons I wanted to fork the Cardinals. Look at their schedule. They close out with five of seven games on the road. The easiest of those road games. Maybe next week at Minnesota, which plays a lot tougher in their new home stadium. Mm. This is when they needed uh, – they won. And, and NFL players would tell you they don't care how the wins come. They got the win and they move on. But this one, it would have been good to have you know a nice 37-6 to six win where everybody is flying and you're getting a little swagger back. And then you go to Minnesota and try to knock uh, that team off. But where, coming out of this game, where is the confidence? I would think it's not any better or worse than it was before. I mean, if they- the line is this much of an issue, and it's been you know for a number of teams in this division, Seattle's found a way around it for the most part. But if you're Arizona and it's crippling your offense to that degree, what it, what are we? We're gonna you're gonna win a couple more games and it's gonna be over. Let's move on. Which takes us to Sunday night. Oh, Sunday night. A great Sunday of football ends with another tremendous game. The Seattle Seahawks on the road at Foxborough. Uh, go ahead uh, by a touchdown with uh, with four minutes to play. Uh, decide to go for two, do not convert, puts the Patriots in a spot where they can march down the field and tie the game with a touchdown and an and a extra point. The Pats go all the way down the field to the doorstep to the goal line. They can't get it on first down, second down, third down, which led us to the final play uh, of the Patriots game on offense, and this is what it sounded like. Gronkowski lines up as the fullback. Now Gronk splits out. And all 
kinds of action in the end zone. They look for a flag. They see none. Chancellor with a coverage. And Seattle's going to win it. What a finish. Rob Gronkowski cannot pull in the pass. Uh, you know, we'll, we don't know. Uh, how, we'll talk about it, whether or not uh, there should have been a flag on the play. But the final score, 31-24. to 24, uh, The Seahawks take down the New England Patriots. And Chris Westland take down one of your sandwich props from just last week. Their first loss under Tom Brady. They fall to 7-2. and two. See, I was waiting for Sydney's drop. <laughs> it's the beginning of a long losing streak, right, Greg? Uh, why would you say that? I don't know. I did lose that uh, sandwich wager, as I have all sandwich wagers so far this year. Uh, as far as the call at the end of the game, Grunk initiated the contact. Then Cam Chancellor grabbed his arms. I think you could have called that any one of three ways, and it would have been fine. I think you know calls the right call there. When Grunk, when there's that much contact, that's one of the reasons why I don't think you want to throw that play in that situation. I guess you could argue, okay, maybe you could get a flag and then you get an extra play, but – to me, that's a low percentage play. The last two play calls were curious. I know Brady has a great history with sneaking the ball. It makes sense to me on first down that they did it. They were trying to, you know, rush it. They maybe were trying to burn a little clock or make the Seahawks, you know, waste the timeout if it doesn't work. But those two last plays were low percentage plays on the goal. What would you have liked to see? Um, not saying this in a challenging manner, but what would you have Garrett Blunt. preferred to see? I would have liked to see him run more than down. more than one time from the one yard line in four plays. What about the fourth down, though? You want to yeah. run blunt on fourth down? Interesting. Well, he got very close. I mean, he got within hey, a whisper. I, uh, I would have sent him right over the top again. Yeah, and right. Tom Brady, you know, he – what is it? That knocks him down from 100% to 99.8% uh, conversion rate on the sneak. I didn't mind that call either. They just didn't get it done. Didn't get it done. And uh, you, you have to like where the Seahawks are sitting on, on a night where – C.J. Precise emerged as a new weapon for this offense. They're a second-half team every year anyway. And now you got Precise, who goes up 150 yards, and he allows them to do things that Kristen Michael doesn't do. Kristen Michael doesn't run routes. He, you can line him up outside, but he's just running straight. He's not running routes like C.J. Precise does. Hey, the Seahawks had 420 yards and 10 drives, so that continues – their rebirth, if you want to call it that, I, I mean, I, I thought Russell Wilson was all the way back last week. People think, oh, I want to see a little more running back. I mean, he was at electric against Buffalo. He was electric delivering the ball uh, tonight, and they're a pass-first team, I think. And when they get Thomas Rawls back, if he's like Thomas Rawls, and you have Michael you can use in certain situations, they'll be able to run the ball enough. But they're a pass-first team in this in this. Patriots defense, any concerns I had going into the game, obviously they're heightened now after this one. Well, it's a good thing that you uh, dumped Jamie Collins. I mean, it's just a bit now, Sydney. Is it really fresh or funny? Oh, it was always a bit. It was always. I mean, is it really that? Is it really that dynamic or inventive at this point? It's funny. It's pretty good. It's funny. I Theory. enjoy it. This is helping. It, let's it's helping the bit. Let's ju- go ahead, Sydney. You want to play it again? Oh. <laughs> That's the most smug look I've ever seen on Sydney's face. Yeah, I like it. I like when he's got a little attitude behind the glass. Seahawks schedule. <laughs> Think about what these teams really are coming up. Eagles next week. That's interesting. Then the Bucks, a stink fest. The Panthers, who everyone still wants to call an NFC playoff team but are not. 
<laughs> the Packers, who are dive-bombing. <laughs> the Rams, who are a mess. People who wanted the Roman Cardinals, who are a mess, and they close with the 49ers. Just <laughs> let them go. Just let them go. They could wind up walking away with the number one seed in the NFC if Dallas crumbled. But Dallas, to me, <laughs> Dallas and Seattle, that's a fascinating – you want to talk about the teams that are for real? That's two NFC teams that are for real. They just gave us the – Two back-to-back great games. When's the last time you saw a four a four o'clock game lead into the Sunday night game? And two of the best games of the season. I mean that that stat they showed that's the first week in NFL history with two games with seven lead changes. There wasn't an eighth. I mean the odds of the Patriots not scoring there once they're on the one yard line with forty five seconds to go are pretty low. I mean I don't know what the odds would be. It almost makes it a little too cute and a little too obvious for everyone writing this game. I mean flipping Super Bowl. 49 around. It's insane. Ugh. You can't write this stuff. Don't don't write that narrative the next day. Well, I'm not, but I'm saying that's that's going to be it. I mean, it's the exact I, same game. It's the exact, I, not the exact same, but very similar. Can I go back? Because I think on a big week for the Patriots where Donald Trump was elected, very excited, the leadership <laughs> on down about uh, Trump's America to, to fall on Sunday night, kind of in direct opposition, but... I digress. Down at the after the touchdown by Seattle, the third touchdown reception from Doug Baldwin. Uh, the decision to go for two was fascinating by Pete Carroll, who uh, da- Daniel Jeremiah Greg had a, a good line about it. But the the the, po- the chance here was they're up seven. They had they wanted to go up nine to basically with four and a half minutes to go potentially bury New England. But the flip side to me was too dangerous, um, uh, too much sugar for a dime is a Texan term in this case, uh, that you leave it at seven if you miss. And indeed, since this was Sunday of week 10 where everyone misses every two-point conversion, 0 for 6 today in Pittsburgh, uh, that, that they left the door open. I didn't like that move, Greg. You let your best player who's playing an electric, almost perfect second half try to put the game away right there in Foxborough, four minutes left. I always like putting the ball in the hands of your best player. And then, you know, your defense can go win the game for you if it doesn't work out. And you know what? That's what they did. Well, they stopped him at the goal line, so we know, we'll never really, uh, I guess, know on some level. But um, we did capture, NBC captured Bill Belichick mouthing uh, to people in his headset, why would they go for two? So Belichick certainly wasn't expecting that. Well, but... Th- I mean, I, I see why a lot of people wouldn't be expecting it or would, you know, shrug it off as an ill decision. But Seattle's just always sort of done things on the field with Pete Carroll up in the front office with their entire operation up there their own way. I mean, I, I think if they, had they nailed that two-point conversion, we would be hailing Pete Carroll for being Not me. totally – I, I was first guessing it. I didn't like it before they did it, and then it just looked even well, worse. Well, I'm just saying if, they, if, you, if you get it, the game is over basically. Still think it made sense. What was the worst-case scenario? You're still up seven. Worst-case scenario is you don't put New England in a position where they score a touchdown and then they have to convert two, which is not a gimme in this league. As we Nor is an extra today. point. I mean, it's a, it's a move, though, that speaks to a greater confidence, which is partly why the Seahawks are who they are, because they're going to go for it. They're going to do things a little unconventionally. It's the same reason why Bill Belichick can trade away Jamie Collins in the middle of the season, and there's a lot of people mouthing on the phone a lot worse things than why would they do that. It makes no sense. What were they mouthing? They were uh, they were mouthing some F-bombs. Why, why, why would they change <laughs> Jamie Collins? Why do you got to Landon Roberts covering down the field? It's because you have a certain confidence of the way you're going to do things, and over time I think that, that affects your team. Can you unpack too much sugar for a dime? 
I don't it's know. Just what something it means. I've heard from uh, my my mother-in-law and my wife many times. They uh, need to update some phrases. I mean, even for just what money gets you these days, go, a dime, sugar for a dime. There isn't a human, you know, that is under the age of thirty-five or forty that that makes any sense to. <laughs> or seventy. Um, this this will sound like a throne of uh, sleaze type of uh, take take here, but. Maybe it's not the worst thing in the world for the Patriots to lose a game and for Bill Bel because I think Bill Belichick was pretty upset about this defense, and I think you saw it again. And and maybe they are going to improve. Maybe they aren't. They traditionally finish strong, uh, and I think they'll get better. But maybe this is one of those games that he can get it through to his guys that they're not that good on defense. Uh, correction, too much sugar for a dime mm. is something that is more trouble than it's worth. That's just the the phrasing in Texas and other places. I don't know where else. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I got you. One, one last thing I have for this game. Uh, the best quarterback in the field was not Tom Brady. Tom Brady had a great game. Tom made some nice throws. He made, he dropped some absolute perfect throws. Tom, Tommy didn't throw a touchdown today. Uh, Tommy threw a pick. Tommy's passer rating was south of 100. And that's what I call a hashtag gradual decline. This is the game. That you're going to attempt to... This is all I have. You're going to attempt to angle your movement around this game. You're in big trouble. I thought you abandoned that movement. Oh, yeah. I no, didn't abandon so, anything. So since LeGarrette Blunt had three short touchdowns on drives that Tom Brady led down the field with beautiful passes, then he didn't have a good night. That movement is a derelict cabin in the middle of the woods with weeds growing all over and nature reclaiming it as its own. First and goal. The still out on science. First and goal. Uh, just outside the end zone. Cannot convert. Maybe. Maybe a better quarterback does. That's all I'm saying. I mean, Dan, you're now a father of two. It's time to see things with clear eyes, and you refuse to do that. You live in a false world. Okay. Okay. Do it for your family. You guys watch your little Game Pass uh, Extra where it goes uh, hour 14, and then you tell me. <laughs> Listen, I'm not uh, pleased about that. Who was the better quarterback on this day? That's all I got. <laughs> That's all we got. And and I'm sorry, Greg, if I got a little carried away watching the game in the second half. I don't like to like well, hold on. get on people's radar. It would, have, like it would have been fine, except you announced to the room, you know what, Greg, I'm going to soften my approach and just not say anything more. And then you dig right into a myriad of diatribes Pretending to be Belichick, <laughs> pretending to do, you know, you just started to sink I, daggers. But it was, I wasn't I, happy I've, with myself. It's one of those, okay, that's yeah. one of those things you just file away <laughs> and you note it. And the next time, you know, the the Jets or the Browns are in a relevant primetime game in 2023. Why am I I'll, involved? I'll uh, bring it up. Why am I involved? Talk. I didn't say a single word during that broadcast to you. 2023 is awfully generous for the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys know it all. It must be cool to know everything. Um, <laughs> the genius is, oh, I can see everything. In the what are you including in that? Oh. You're talking about. Who are you including in that? Oh, thing? listen, I didn't say anything about you. It's like, Wes, I quit my team so I can just make these type of judgments on other people's favorite teams. And Greg's like, oh, I'll file that away, Mr. Throne. You don't get to say that. I no, quit my team. My team quit me. Well, agree to disagree. This is what Dan, Dan is You're wrong. out of things to say when he just starts going, ooh, the experts <laughs> running around. Anyway. He made some good points. It there. was a great game. <laughs> it was a great Sunday night and a great week of football and a great podcast. And um, thank you to everyone for listening. Make sure you check out, by the way, on iTunes again. And we're overdue for iTunes uh, comment reader feed, listener feedback. So if you leave a comment, 
we may just read it on this very podcast, and wouldn't that make you feel great mm. or terrible? Because we might come back at you with some fire. You can give a five-star review. Give a five-star review. It helps. All it all helps. Uh, okay, let's get out of here. This is Dan Hansis signing off for A Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and the wonderful Lacide behind the glass. Till Tuesday. She's a murder suspect because she's a revenge isn't a defense for murder, Dan. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.